Can we put our hands together and give the Lord a cheer? Amen. Isn't he good? So amazing. So amazing, God. Amen. 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 You, before you're seated, maybe you can turn around and look at somebody and say, I'm glad I'm sitting near you, by you, within six feet or closer. You may be seated. And thank you so much for coming today, those of you who are joining us online. And uh, I thought about when I left today, isn't it funny how we can gather in the middle of like this global pandemic and yet we see a few snowflakes and we're like, I can't go out there. So anyways, I'm glad you're here today and uh, I'm glad you made it. And uh, if you if you uh, got here really early, it, it is snowing outside. So uh, but uh, hopefully I'm not going to preach that long. I only plan to uh, preach, and so you'll need your lights when you get home tonight. That's how long I'm going to preach. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. Uh, I don't consider myself a long preacher because I learned a long time ago there's a fine line between a hostage situation and a long sermon. So I know that, you know, uh, how that feels. So, but, uh, but I do have something to deliver from my heart today, and uh, just kind of a continuance of what we shared last week, but, uh, you know, just something that the Lord's put in my heart. But before I do that, I'm going to do something I usually don't do. I want to put a scripture up in Romans. Romans, Romans chapter 15. I'm just going to do really the one scripture. I just wanted to just open up with this scripture. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. <clears throat> and I'm reading out of the uh, King James, or New King James. Uh, this was a prayer, and Paul prayed this prayer. And so I think this is kind of fitting. This is my prayer for you today, is that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. And uh, aren't you glad that God gives us hope? Why? Because He's the God of hope. And how many know you've ever been to a situation where you're walking in it, through a situation where you need God's hope? I'm not talking about the hope that comes from man. I'm not talking about the new hope, you know, the, the battle plans of the, the, you know, the Death Star hope. I'm talking about the new hope that God gives us. Amen. I'm talking about the hope that comes from Him that says that you can make it. Come on, that you can go through the fire and you're not going to be burned. You can go through water you're not going to drown. I'm with you wherever you go. I'm a God that walks in the fire. I'm the God that, come on, that resurrects from the dead. You know, revival happens in a cemetery. You know, all that stuff. God is the God of hope. And so today, let's put our hope in God today. I don't know what you put your hope in. Uh, maybe your, your finances are doing really well right now. But put your hope in God. Amen. Can we do that? Amen. I just want to open up with a scripture and then we'll pray. Actually, let's, let's just have a word of prayer first. Lord, we just thank you for today. We just set this time aside for you. We just say, Lord, this is your time. Not because we're so special, but because you are. And you, Lord, we just need to focus on you for a few moments and take moments out of our week and say, Lord, we come together to worship, but we also come to hear from you. And so, Lord, help me to say the right words. Think through my, my, uh, my mind, speak through my lips, Lord what you want to say today. May someone be encouraged by your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. James chapter 1. We're in James chapter 1. We were there. 26 and 27. Verses 26, 27. You can turn in your Bible or click, click on your device. And in this uh, particular scripture, I believe I'm reading out of the New King James and then I'm going to read out of another translation. But I want to do a little bit of something that I don't normally do. I don't like to do it. And that is a little review. I don't like when people say that, review. That means you get 30 minutes review and a 30-minute or 40-minute sermon after that. No. So we're just going to do a little review for those of you who weren't here or didn't listen to it online. 
We're talking, um, my, my subject last week is this week is, are you religious? Are you religious? James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, just a little bit of view. He opens up and he says this, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, this is what it is, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We talked about several weeks ago uh, the scripture in Ephesians that talked about that God has good works for us to walk in. And uh, again, many people hear a sermon about good works or about pure religion, as James talked about, and they think that somehow we, we have this notion that it is a, uh, we're promoting a, a works-based faith. But how many know we're promoting a love-based faith accompanied by good works? Because that's what Jesus taught. So how many know there's a difference, right? Amen. And we're promoting today and preaching about a love-based faith accompanied by good works. And so I think that's important. Uh, and so one of the things we brought out last week and bring out this week is that there's a call for godliness among us rather than correctness. And so God is looking for godliness in our lives rather than correctness. And so uh, as we talked about last week, vain religion is those who try to be correct on the outside but are very much incorrect on the inside or however you want to uh, look at that. But in verse 26 and 27 of another translation, putting it a little more clearer, it says, if you put yourself on a pedestal thinking you have become a role model in all things religious, but you can't control your mouth, then think again. Your mouth exposes your heart and your religion is useless. Real true religion from God, the Father's perspective, is about caring for the orphans and widows who suffer needlessly and resisting the evil influence of the world. So that puts it a little more clear. And so... All the teachings of Jesus on good works and about what the Bible says about this subject really um, become muddied when we put it into a negative definition of religion that we've heard. And we gave you this example last week, want to give it to you this week. There's a couple different perspectives on it. If you were to come up to me after the end of the service and said, I consider you to be a very religious person, I would take offense to that. I would think that you were talking to that I'm stuck up, that I'm snooty, that I am, think that I'm better than you and that I'm fake. In my experience with the Lord. Anybody? If a Christian said that to you. But if my neighbor said that or my friends who don't know Jesus would say that to me. Hey you're a very religious person. I would consider that a compliment. I would consider that wow. Uh, they see something real about my relationship with God. Is anybody out there? How many agree with that right? And so we've talked about that, that. But really in the end God makes it about the heart and about truth. Not about my emotions. Or my perception of God, how I feel, my essential uh, feelings on things or my opinion on things. He makes it about the heart and he makes it about truth. And so we found and discovered a couple things about James chapter 1 that we'll go into a little bit more. Godliness over correct, correction, or correctness, we already talked about that. Words and actions matter and we're going to talk about that. How many know words and actions matter? And we talked about vain religion and pure religion. So, And then I brought out in Matthew chapter 6 as Jesus taught... Sermon of the Mount, he talked about how there's two perspectives there's, that he gives. There's the kind of the dead religious perspective, vain religious perspective of how to do your alms, charity, prayers, fasting, uh, issues of money and material needs. And then there's the pure religious way that God wants us to uh, focus and to, and to look at it. And he, and he even said, don't do as the hypocrites do. Is that what he said? He said, so don't be that way, be this way. And so that's what we brought out last week. But as we get into it this week, just a little closer look, 
uh, I thought about four ways as I look into the subject, four ways that religion becomes vain. Uh, and we see it through four things. And I want to focus on the fourth. Number one is we see it in worship. becomes vain in worship. Jesus constantly dealt with this. Number two, in obedience to God's word or God's word itself. Um, again, we, there's so many things to that. Uh, number three, actions. How, how Jesus had to deal with religious actions and, and false actions and, and pretensions there. But the fourth thing is empty words. So, you know, really what, what it is is the fourth thing about being, um, when your religion becomes vain, is you find yourself using a lot of empty words. Now, James says this, if anyone thinks he's religious or showing intense devotion, but yet he can't control his tongue. Let me just kind of put it his way, uh, as he says, the tongue is out of control. Anyone who doesn't control his sharp tongue, uh, who doesn't bridle his tongue, talks a good game but doesn't live it, can't keep a tight rein on their tongue, careless talk. That's what he's talking about. He says they're self-deceived, they're fooling themselves, they're deluded, their offerings to God are worthless, their religion isn't worth much, religious service is worthless, shallow and empty is their religion. And so as we got into this and we discovered something, we found out that James really brings out a truth to us is that there is a definition of religion that Jesus accepts. That God accepts. How many know what I'm talking about? Now again, some of you might be struggling with it because of the example or some of the negative connotation, that a lot of connotation that's had with it over the years. But nevertheless, this is the truth of the Bible. So one of the things he says is people who can't control their tongue, it's a sign of a, a bigger issue and it creates bigger problems. He said if you can't control your tongue and yet you run around saying that you're such a religious person, uh, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're delusional. There's something wrong with what you say you have as religion. Anybody? Amen? All right. I'm out of the introduction. I'm actually getting into it. We can say amen now. So, and he's, he brings out this, this truth. Careless talk leads to worthless religion and useless living. Let me say that again. Careless talk leads to worthless religion and useless living. And so as we get in, I'm not going to get into it. I mean, when this is a whole really series in itself and and truth to it, so much truth to our words. You know, we talk about anger. We talk about lies that come from our mouth. Hate, lust, pride, hypocrisy, death, war. All these things could come out of our mouth. They're, they're, they're so destructive sometimes. But also, in the same uh, uh, turn, as James talks about later, he says that there's good things that actually can come out of your mouth. How many believe that? There's life that can come out of your mouth. There's truth that can be spoken. In fact, we're supposed to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which is the gospel of truth. And so truth comes out, encouragement, faith, uh, God's word, your testimony, worship, uh, you know, everything, uh, as we see in the Bible, prophecy and all the gifts of the Spirit and all those things, revelations of God's word, all these things, whether written or spoken, can come out of your mouth that bring life, and they're good things. But he said if, you're, if you have a tongue that's out of control, if you have a tongue that's just, just kind of, really not bridled and speaking anything it wants to at any time it wants to guess what it really doesn't mean much to God and how many know it doesn't do much for other people either right so that's what he's saying and so how many can lift your hand to heaven and this morning and say man I need to work on some things amen so we got to take this lesson this morning that listen we can't just say anything we want to at any time anyway to anybody we've got to watch what we say how many know that includes social media 
Amen. That's right. Yeah, so that includes those things. And, and in our day, and it kind of comes right down to where we live. But I want to go somewhere else. So I believe because really if you speak up, many people today I've heard people, well, it's time for us to speak up. It's time for us to fight. It's time for us to stand up. And I believe that. I, I preach that. And I, I believe that with all my heart. But how many know just because you speak up doesn't mean you have something good to say? Just because you're allowed to speak doesn't mean you have something right to say or good to say or truth to say. Come on, somebody. So a lot of times we think, well, I got a right to speak. What well, doesn't mean that's very constructive. <laughs> so James is saying, yeah, you might have this ability to speak or right to speak. That doesn't mean that everything you say is good. So let's measure what we're saying and let's measure by, by God's word. Look, if my, is my number one, is what I'm saying line up with what I believe? Number one, is what I'm saying really lining up with God's word and what I'm saying, is it really building somebody else up and being constructive or is it really being, uh, as he deals with later, he talks about the tongue is one of the smallest members of the body but the most powerful, right? How many believe that? Yeah, and so we could go into that and I don't want to get into all that because it, there's so many good principles there. But let me just say this, so just like we see today, just like you can receive an infection or a virus through you know, there's many ways you can receive, but we can talk about orally, right? How many know you can, you can get sick that way, you know, and we're, that's why we wear masks in certain places and do something because of that. But how many know you can also be well through, through medicine that you take through orally? Come on. So either way, you can get sick that way or you can be well that way. And so we have to just know and understand from a spiritual perspective which what we're doing. Are we really speaking life? Are we taking in good stuff? Are we speaking death and taking in negative things or whatever? However you want to put it. You understand, right? And so we, we see these things. So we see that there's a, your mouth can either compliment somebody or you can criticize somebody. It's the same thing. The Bible gives us these principles over and over again. The power of life and death is what? In the tongue. Proverbs says healing words bring life and health. You can actually bring healing to people in situations. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew that on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless and useless word they spoke. Every idle word, the Bible says. That, that's pretty sobering, isn't it? Amen? All those conversations I had about, you know, movies and, and Star Wars. It, it's not going to mean anything in judgment. I, I thought it was, but it's not. So, right? So All those things. And and, but he's talking about something different, not just about the things we like. He's talking about, listen, if you're just, you know, talking about idle things or worthless things, things that don't mean much. He said, these are things you're going to have to give an account, whether good or bad, right? You're going to have to give an account. And that's why we talked about a couple weeks ago. How many remember we talked about the spirit of prophecy, right? We talked about prophecy, what the Bible says about prophecy. That's why the Bible says it's so powerful that when you understand the, the gift of speaking in tongues, you'll understand the Bible says in Jude, you build up yourself in your most holy faith. Prophecy builds up the church, right? Come on somebody, right? We got the interpretation of tongues. We got the, the Bible says we've got the, uh, the wisdom. We've got knowledge, the gift of knowledge to give the wisdom, interpretation, all those things. They help the body of Christ. Can you imagine you're actually making the church globally and locally stronger by what you say? So it's important by what we say. So we can't just have idle words. That's why prophecy is important, but it's got to be right. How many know? We already talked about that. And um, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. But anyways, and, and also the Bible says this is how important it is. Salvation comes through what we say with our mouth. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, is that right? That God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You'll be born again. So that's how 
important it is. So let me just ask this question. If what we say and what we say to us and to ourselves has such great effect on ourselves, our lives, our future, if what we say has so much effect on our life, then why is it that there's a belief that what you believe and what you say can be two different things? How many know it's not that way according to God? What you say and what you believe are kind of one thing. Is that right? Or should be one thing. They should be the same thing. But yet we believe and have a concept in the world, and especially in our culture, that you can, say, you can say one thing and believe another. That I'm not really defined by my religion, but that's just something different on the side. How many know what you believe will determine what you say? And what you say will eventually determine what you believe. That's how important it is. That's how powerful it is. And so I believe that that's what makes a Christian so sincere is what they believe comes out of their mouth. What's in their heart, as the Bible says, comes out of your mouth. And how many know good things need to be in there? That's what James is saying. Make sure good stuff's in there because it's coming out. Right? Amen. All right. And so, uh, again, we can talk about all these things, but we won't. But really, so as we look at this, and I, I ask myself, what is the basic definition of, of hypocrisy? What would you say that the biggest definition of hypocrisy is? I would say is that you say one thing and you do another. Anybody? Anybody? Or, or you do one thing, but you really don't mean it. Okay? Or you tell everybody else to do something, but you yourself don't do it. How many know that's vain religion? That's the dead religion Jesus is talking about. That's what he had to get after people. You're telling everybody else they got to do this and live by their law and your spoken word and your commandments, but you yourself aren't keeping the commandments of God. How many know that's hypocrisy, isn't it? Amen? Right? And so that's what the Bible says. And this is what happened. You find yourself, when, when you don't talk the right thing and you don't live the right way and they don't match up and all these things as James is bringing out, he said, look, it leads to hypocrisy. And nobody's going to listen to a hypocrite. Nobody's going to follow a hypocrite for long. Is that right? Amen. So, so that's what we see. And so, um, but, but even further on, as you read it in verse 26, it goes into something a little deeper. He says, when you do that and you say one thing and you're not living it and you're living another way and you know, you're not bridling your tongue, listen, not only do you have vain religion, but you're leading yourself into self-deception. You're actually, one of the highest forms of deception is self-deception. You say, well, no, it's, it's, no, it's self-deception. It's when, when, and say, well, it's when the devil deceives me. Well, how does he deceive you? He gets you to believe a lie. You're self-deceived. All he has to do is plant the seed. All he has to do is come with just a little phrase to Eve, hath God said. And that's enough to get her thinking, well, maybe God's not real. Maybe it's not true. Maybe I can do, disobey God. Maybe I can sin a little bit. Can some, right? Amen. So then she comes to a place where she's self Deceived. She thinks it's okay to eat of the apple. And that's what sin is all about. And so it brings you to a place of self-deception where you think you're better than you really are. You think you're, you're more holy than you are, more righteous than you really are. Come on, somebody. You think you're more right than you are. You think you're just a little bit better than everybody else. You're at a level of self-deception. That's what the Bible says. You know, some of the things I look and I kind of look around and I see uh, what is involved in a lot of things of self-deception we could talk about. And one of them is, one of the higher forms is, is witchcraft and the cult. Uh, those things have a lot of self-deception. A lot of self-deception. Because they, they present it that you have power, that you have this knowledge, but how many know you're under the influence of something else? 
You, and, you know, a lot of people, I would say that most of the people that I've talked to or met, I mean most people that say they're a witch or a wind of witchcraft or a cult or whatever, I would say that they really don't know what they're doing or know what they're talking about. That, you know, they're, they're the people that just get the prize in the cereal box. They really don't, you know, that's what they're after. They're after the power. They're after the image. And you see somebody with dark, you know, eyeliner and horns on their head, you're like, ooh, so scary, Right? Talked to one guy and he was like, I'm the witch of the Williamsport. I'm, the, I'm this wizard. I'm the, I talked to him a little bit and I was like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, I think you, you kind of got your whatever, your little badge of a witchcraft or whatever, you know, in a raffle. Because you really, I mean, you, this isn't really it. If you really knew, and that's the self-deception. It's like, I've got this power. I've got this knowledge. I've got this thing. But how many know it leads to other things? And I've seen it in, 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 with suicide or world domination or even the devil. I mean, it's self-deception. Right? And so that's the highest form. Can you imagine that, that James said that this is the kind of deception, the level of deception that people operate in is when they can't control their tongue and yet they say they're religious. He said that's on the same level of that type of self-deception. It's deep. He said you can get deep. How many know there's some people that are deep, right? Amen. Some people think they're spiritual, but they're really they're just stuck. <laughs> Amen. Whatever. Anyway, so... So this is what he's saying. And so that's, that's why he said you've got to be careful of this. You've got to pay attention to what you're saying and the way you're living and, and the way you're behaving because, you know, it leads to something more serious than you realize. And so we're not going to get into this, but where does self-deception and worthless religion really come from? Well, you said what you say. No, it's not. It's, it's as he talked about earlier or later, and he, and, and he mentions it, he says not being a doer of the word. When you're a hearer only, when you only hear the Bible and you only read it, when you only listen to a preacher but you actually don't do it, he said you're actually self-deceived. You're actually moving in that level of self-deception. You're moving in this level where you think you're okay, you think you're living the life, but you're really not because you're only listening, you're not doing it. How many know that hearing it is only half of what God's called us to do? We've got to hear and obey. Is that right? So that's what he's doing. So that's how you become, your religion becomes in vain and it becomes, you become deceived is you're not doing the word of God. So doing God's word starts with your words, as James says. Your words have got to line up with the confession of your faith. Your lifestyle has got to learn up, line up with your word and you've got to be a doer of the word. No life in action, no love in action is what he's saying. There's no life in action. In your life. There's just none of it. And there's no love in action. So what is pure religion as he goes in to describe this? Four things I just want to bring out today. Um, and that is pure religion really is he talks about taking it from this, this, this scripture. And that is number one, godliness. Number two, walk it out. Number three, love in action. And number four, pollution free. Okay? That's just the way I see it. Anyways, in James chapter 1, as we read, uh, pure religion, the worship God wants, the Christian who is pure and without fault according to God, religion that God accepts and pure as pure and faultless, true spirituality that is pure before God, external religious worship that is pure and undefiled in God's sight. That's what he defines as pure worship or pure religion. Caring for the orphans and widows and those who are homeless and loveless, keeping yourself unspotted from the world, remains true to the Lord and uncontaminated from the world, free from evil influence of the world. These are all the definitions and translations that describe what he's bringing out here. And I want to bring these four points out. Number one is godliness. Godliness over correctness as we talked about this week and last week. But godliness is this. Godly living, holy living, complete devotion to God. 
to reflect God's true nature. Uh, yes, it is. It is piety, but it's true humility um, in the heart. A life devoted to God, a truly religious life. Someone who is completely committed to God. Somebody who, is, who, who believes and receives all of God. That is what he's describing as godliness. Now, many of us would say godliness has a bad picture to it, too. We think of someone that's dressed a certain way, talks a certain way. People are turned off by this because they think God's going to take away their Friday nights. They're not going to be popular anymore and chase girls around. No, it's more than that. If you only see God that way, then you're still in that religious, that vain religious Come on, position before God. But if you see it, that God has come to give you life and life more abundantly, that everything that it is in God is good, everything that he has for you is good. Come on, somebody, right? And that everything that God does is with intention for his purpose and his glory, then you have a different outlook on life. Have a different outlook on your life. But godliness, godliness, this is what God's looking for. Or godlikeness, you could say. Godliness. You can see God in your life. You can see aspects of God in your life. You can see the behaviors of God in your life. You can see the principles of God in your life. You can see some type of nature that isn't your old nature. People that knew you before. You were a hothead. You, you were, you know, you were a, a, an addict. You were this, you were that. And people say, well, you're not that anymore. There's a different nature about you. How many know that's God's nature? That's what happens when you're born again. And that's godliness. And the Bible says that we've got to practice this. It's not something you wake up tomorrow morning and say, gee, I'm so godly. You, you have to practice this. And so as we look at the lessons of James, he says you've got to put this in practice. So godliness is not so, just a state of being. It is actually an action, a life in action, moment, a, a life that's moving in this direction and practicing these things. You can actually see it. So Jesus talked about fruit or something you can see. Now, so dead religion really emphasizes the outward or external. We could go through all that. All the things that Jesus talked about, it was all on the outside. He said the people that practice dead religion, that's all they emphasized was the outward or the external. Do this, do that, do this, do this, do this, do this, look this way, appear this way. As we talked last week, you've got to pray this way in front of everybody. Tell everybody you're fasting. Mention to everybody how much you're giving to the poor. How many of that's all external? That's all outward. Judge people on the outside. That's how they did it. If you were not a Jew, if you were not of this or you that, you were judged immediately. So, so this is what he's saying. Listen, that's, not, that's dead religion. That emphasizes the outward. But pure religion emphasizes the inward. The internal changes that God does. The in, it, come on. The, Jesus said himself, you can't say that the kingdom of God is here or there or wherever. Luke uh, uh, chapter 17 says the kingdom of God is what? Within you. It's within you. The kingdom of God is eternal. Internal. And so this is what he's saying. So that's, that's the difference that we see with godliness. And in fact, Paul had to address this, that there was a concept that was going around back then that, that gain, the more you had, the closer you were to God. But how many know Paul said that's not true. It's not gain is godliness. He said godliness with contentment is great gain. Wherever you are, whatever you have, whatever state of life you are, wherever you were born, however you are, if you're content with what you have in life, how many know that's great gain? Amen. See, see the difference? And they put it on the outside. Someone says that the more money I have, the more successful I am. How many know that's not true? Or the more happy I am, that's not true. Or the closer I am to God, that's not true. Amen? That's not true. And so this is what we see. So pure religion is believing and receiving all of God, as I said earlier. 
So, I, you know, I asked this question is that, and I thought to myself, what would happen? Because I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, talk about godliness. They just say, well, that's all vain. You're just trying to be over-religious and radical. And, you know, you're just trying to be, that's just a form of godliness and, and all this stuff. And, and don't, get too, don't get too radical because then, then if you get too godly, then, then you're just, you know, you're just, you're not really, uh, you, as we used to say, you're, you're, you're so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. They just feel like that's not good. Don't get too radical. I mean, because, you know, you got to have a little worldliness in there for people to really listen to you and like you and follow you. And, and you you got to be, you know, relevant. So you've got to have a little this and a little that. How many know godliness is what God is doing in my heart through his word? Godliness is not what you think it should be or what I think it should be. It's what God is doing in my heart, in my life, through his word. Amen. And so, you know, I've had a lot of people say, but let me ask you this. What would happen if I applied all of God's principles in my life? What would happen if I just wanted to make God the center of my life? What would happen if I wanted to make the Lord my priority in my mornings and my days? That I got up and I wanted to read and I just felt so I couldn't get enough of the Bible. So I had to read more and more and I found myself spending hours in the Word. And, and then I loved to pray because I just discovered God in prayer and communication with my Savior in prayer. And I wanted to pray all the time. And, and then I, I, I just saw the, the, the need for the gospel in, in my neighborhood. And what would happen if I just went out and just passed out tractor or talked to people about Jesus or mowed their lawn or gave them meals and, and cared for them and prayed for them. Why would I be considered a religious nut when I'm just following the Spirit? When I'm just loving God with all my heart? And yet people would judge and criticize and say, well, you're just trying to be better than me. No, I'm just trying to run after God. And God is causing me to do these things. God is drawing me closer to himself. God is changing my nature. Not rules, not my church, not, not any religious obligation or being better than anybody else. God's doing something in my life. That's godliness. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Christians that just, they're not happy if you're in church and they're certainly not happy if you're out of church. They're just not happy, period, right? There's some people, I mean, they wouldn't be happy being in church. They don't like being out of church. They're just, they're miserable, right? And so I, I believe that one of the things we need to do, it's not about pursuing God so that we look good in front of other people. It's about pursuing God because we want to pursue God. I want to know the one who created me. I want to know the one who called me. I want to know the one who, when I was in my mother's womb, was, was designing my eyeballs and creating my eyelashes and my fingernails. I want to meet that God. I want to get to know him. I want to find out what he means that before he knew me, he knew what I was going to do. I want to meet that God. And what's wrong with that pursuit? You see, that's godliness. Godliness isn't trying to look religious, be religious, better than everybody else. Godliness is my pursuit of God. Come on, somebody. And I'm following the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit says you need to change, I'm going to change. Why? Because I love God. And I love other people. If, 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 if God says you need to give more to others, if God says you need to love more to people, I'm not going to do it as some kind of status in my church or some kind of, you know, look at me type thing. Come on, I'm becoming better than everybody else. I'm doing it because I want to glorify God. I want my neighbors to see Jesus Christ through me. Everybody getting hold of this, right? Godliness. Godliness is on the inside. It's something that it causes me to really love God more. If, if people feel like, you know, I just, I just want to, uh, you know, I think it's important to go to church. You know, I just think it's important to do these things. And you got to, that's fine. 
But it's not fueled by my obligation to you or my obligation to a set of rules or my obligation to some religious sect. It's my love for God. That's what brings me here every Sunday because I want to see you because I love God. Amen? All right, we're getting it. All right, so that's godliness. And so I believe that there is a, there is a, a point that we do need to be religious in our discipline. I wrote this down. Be religious in your discipline but not religious in your heart. I believe it's important to be, come on, be, you got to have this religious, I mean, some people say, man, you're just so religious about it. Well, yeah, but it's when that vain religion gets in your heart when it begins to become something that changes your life, and that's what God doesn't want. And so, um, number two, walk it out. This is what James is teaching us, and you'll look in verse 22, um, verses before this, we read 26 and 27. You look at 22. He says this, Become doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There it is again. We talked about that. Verse 22. You've got to walk it out. How many know you've got to walk this thing out? Christianity is not getting a stamp. It's not just about being a member of a church. It's not about paying money to a church. not being part of a religious group. It is a lifestyle of walking it out. You've got to walk this thing out. It's not, it is a one-time experience. It is a one-time deal where you get saved, you're born again, God washes you, forgives you. But how many know it's an everyday relationship with God Almighty? Isn't that great? Amen? Aren't you glad it's not a weekly thing? Well, I just came once a year. I just came once a year to do my thing, right, and get my religion on. No, you have to walk it out. You, 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 you've got to talk and walk. We always say that. It's not just walking the walk. You've got to talk the walk or whatever, how you want to say that. But how many know you've got to do both? You've got to talk and you've got to walk. You've got to do both. You gotta walk it out. You gotta live it out. I mean, if you the Bible says if you claim to be a Christian, you don't love your brother, man, you got problems. You gotta live this thing out. You gotta show forgiveness. You've got to show kindness. You've got to show, come on, to other people. You've got to live this out. And I love that about James because it really puts it down where we live. He also talks later on about faith and works. If you say you have faith but you don't have works, your faith is in vain. Amen. So doing his words, you can read that in verses 22 to 25. Also, as Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, he talked about false prophets, he talked about good fruit, bad fruit, he talked about the foundations of life, and he talked about entrance into heaven. All those had to do with hearing and doing God's word or obedience. How many believe that? Amen, I believe that. I believe that with my heart. Read that, read that Matthew chapter 7. That's, that's what he's talking about. And so, really, pure religion starts in our hearts. It doesn't start in the church. It doesn't start in, you know, words. It doesn't just, you know, just going around telling everybody, I'm a very religious person. I, I'm religion. I'm religion. I mean, no, that's not where it starts. It starts in our hearts. And it doesn't start in our works. Those are things that come behind us, the Bible says. Not in front of us. They come behind us. And so it doesn't start in your works. It doesn't start in your church or organization. It doesn't start in your denomination. It starts in your heart. And this is what James is bringing this out. So you have to walk it out. And I believe that the Holy Spirit comes into your life or our lives to set us free from any kind of vain religious spirit or attitude that's not of the Lord and not to bind you with one. Many people are so afraid to get fully engaged with God, fully engaged with the Holy Spirit because they feel like, man, I'm going to come under some weird bondage. And it's No, no, He's come to set you free from all that. Most of you know, some of you come out of some kind of really hard uh, legalistic system a religious system, and when you got filled with the Holy Spirit and you began to realize God's love for you and His grace in your life, and you began to realize the power of the Holy Spirit, man, you, you, you've been free. You feel like, wow, I'm free now. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Right? 
And the third thing is love in action. So he brings us out. He says that this, this is the pure religion, and that is to care for orphans and widows. Orphans and widows, and he names them. Now, he, he could, we could throw the poor in there. We could throw some things in there, uh, poor, you know, all that. But he mentions orphans and widows. And it's so important because these, these are um, really just basic principles here I want to bring out about this. Because really these are people who, as Jesus describes and we see in the natural, they're people without family. They're physically and emotionally in need. We need to visit them. We need to care for them. Those who are bound in affliction and need. Those who have suffered loss. Those who are less fortunate. Those who have a great need. We need to care for these people. We need to look at turn our eyes towards the widows and orphans in our church and our community and our nation. How many believe it's important to do that? Well, we're commanded to do that. Not, I'll not preach about that today, but he said, this is pure religion. You want to dance and shout and call yourself you know, all kinds of things and do all kinds of Christian activity, but you're not willing to, to go and to minister to orphans and widows? He said, man, your religion's in vain. Pure religion is right here, ministering to orphans and widows. This is where we start. This is where it all happens, right here. He said, you got to do this. Jesus said, and one of the things that were prophesied about him in Isaiah 61, he said it again in Luke. He said that I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. I've looked in my notes. I don't have a lot of messages to the poor, but I need messages to the poor. How many know what I'm talking about? This, because this is what God's called us to. You're not going to escape Christianity without escaping ministering to people who need him the most. Can you say amen? Is that right? I'll never forget, just tell a, a story to get sidetracked here, but I'll just go a little bit. I remember years ago we went to Guatemala, took a team down there. I don't remember. I think it was a work team. Uh, I don't think it was students. I think it was a work team we took down. Brother Steve was with me. We went down, and one of the things we did is we had to repair this roof um, you know, on this uh, junior high school, and it kind of went in an L-shaped. The building was in an L-shape, and we put on a new roof for them, and um, you know, just kind of did that. And so they, you know what they said? They said, look, if you, because you did this and, and you did it for free out of love, what we want is just open our school up to you. If you'd like to come and talk about Jesus, you're more than welcome to. Okay, how many know that's pretty cool? All right. What's not cool is they said, you're going. They said that to me. Like, what? Yeah, everybody else is going out here and they're working, they're doing this and everything, but you're going. I said, okay, well, I'm going with the team, right? No, you're going by yourself. I was like, oh, okay. I, I guess I have this. So I only had one other brother who didn't speak English. How many of you know that was fun? Right? And, and so I, I literally they said, stand on the basketball court. Okay. So the, the, the school is in an L shape like this. And I stood in the, the basketball court was here. And to go outside or to leave the school to the gate, you had to go across the basketball court. So everybody was stuck. They had to listen. So what they did is they lined these kids up. They announced it. It was like assembly. It was like 350 kids, junior high kids. And, you know, first of all, ministering in another country, another language, um, you know, with someone embarrassed to speak English, you know, uh, and then the 350, and then the junior high kids. I'm like, I didn't have any, like, magic tricks or videos or puppets or, I don't know if junior high kids are into that anymore. But anyways, so, you know, so I'm like, and they're like giving me the mic, and all of a sudden I realized for the first time, I don't have any messages to sinners, and yet Jesus spent 80-some percent of his ministry talking to sinners, talking to people that didn't know him, out in the street and in the square, in the public square. And here I am with 350 junior high kids staring at me, and I don't even know ABCs in Spanish. I don't know. And so I just said, Lord, it's got to come from my heart. So I just began to preach my heart the best I knew how. But when I came home, I got down and I said, Lord, I'm getting like five or six messages to people that don't know you because I need to be ministering to people that need you. 
I was so used to preaching to Christians. I didn't even realize that. But we need to do this. Let me move on. Love in action. So widows and orphans, he said, this is what you need to do. These are people, and, and as we find themselves without a husband and without a father, they, they don't have a provider or a protector. They have a natural needs as, far as, as well as nurturing needs. Um, what, one of the things that we need to be providing is comfort, guidance, and security for people in need like this. Uh, and one of, these is, is, one of these people, if you think about it, need to be comforted from the past. And the other one needs guidance for the future. That's how important that is. So, so we need to minister to orphans and widows. These are these people, as we as James, he, he specifically mentions these. And he says orphans and widows. These are what I call the heartbeats of God. He, said, he could have said you could have ministered to anybody else. The sick, the lame, or whatever. He said specifically orphans and widows because I believe this word starts with the heartbeat of God. And I'm not going to get all the scriptures that and what we're commanded to really minister to widows and orphans and, and how important it is. But one of the pictures of being a Christian is the process of adoption and nurturing by God. Is that correct? Anybody? Come on, is that a, is that a picture? We've been adopted. He becomes our father. We get a new name. Come on, we have a new future. We have a new faith. We have a new family. We have a new name. He becomes our father. We become his children. He adopts us into his family. Come on, somebody. Amen. And if you're not of the Jew Jewish uh, descent, if you're not, uh, you know, have any Jewish bloodline, you've been grafted in, the Bible says. Amen. And so this is a picture of what Jesus does to us at salvation. And so that's why he said it's important to minister to other people in this way. 25% of, uh, of children in the U.S., that's a, roughly 17.5 million children, lived in a father-absent home. That's a lot of people, isn't it? A lot of kids who need care for. Amen. That's a lot of people. And so the opposite of, of a compassionate church is a religious church. It's a church that is so caught up in, in central things and so caught up in their own, own, own condition and their own future and they're caught up in, in just being hearers. That's what James says. You're just a bunch of hearers. He said, don't do that. Don't be so sensual where all you want to do is just fulfill a religious obligation. Come here for a couple you know, hours on Sunday. Feel good about yourself. Then go on with your life. He said it's more than that. How many believe it's more than that? Sunday morning is more than that. And, and I'm finishing. But it says that, you know, as he's talking about it, he said that we, we can become so isolated. So a, a religious church is sensual. They're just a bunch of hearers and they become isolated. How many know there's a principle in the Bible that says that we need to be separated, not isolated? We're to be separated from the world, not isolated from the world. And I'll get to, to that in a second. But true ministry, if you want true ministry, you want to go into ministry, if you want to do true ministry, it's simply this. It's good works, real love, and sincere worship. I mean, that's it. And so James is saying, look, this is how you're really going to love God. This is how you're going to show that you love God. This is how you're going to worship God. This is how you're going to be pure in your religion is if you minister to the orphans and widows. It has to be love in action. Someone said, well, I'm not working for God. I'm not working for God. I'm just being. No, that's great. But you know what? You actually are. Hello. You, we actually are working for God. We're called his stewards, his servants. I mean, as a servant, that's what I do. If God tells me to do something, he's my master. I'm his servant. Anybody? And someone said that I wanted to be like a dollar bill in the pocket of God, that he can spend me any way he wants to. Amen? That's kind of a weird picture. I would have said a $100 bill. But anyways, 
But, you know, sometimes I'm not working for God. Well, actually, I am. I'm his servant. I'm his ambassador. I'm the one, and, and I'm the one that he put the responsibility on. I'm his hands and his feet in the earth. I mean, I am working for God. I'm not working for his love. I already got that. I'm not working for his acceptance. I've already been accepted in the beloved. Amen. When I've been washed in the blood of Jesus, he doesn't see me. He sees who I am in Christ. Amen. Is that right? All right. So we're not working, again, for acceptance or approval. We've already got it. But we are working from his love, from his grace, working for his glory to minister to other people. And this is what we're commanded to do, action, love in action. This is what it's all about. And so, you know, one of the things I realize is that rules come from false doctrine. Good works come from true doctrine. It's really true. It's absolutely true. So, you know, and we look at the Pharisees. I'm not going to get into it because I know we're anxious to get on this last point. If you go home, for some of you, you're going to cheer for a really old guy playing the Super Bowl. Some of you are going to cheer for the champions. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. And, and Jesus talked about this, and I did have a sermon on this, but Pharisees, and we, we're not going to get into this. But the Pharisees, he kept had to correct them because one of the reasons was because they were all about judgment and not about mercy. They're all judgment, no mercy. And especially for other people, not themselves. How many know that's a religious person? Wanting to see everybody barbecue, and yet they go to heaven. <laughs> Amen. How many know that's religion? That's vain religion. Vain religion runs to judgment, but crawls to mercy. While pure religion runs to mercy, crawls to judgment. Think about it. So finally, the fourth point, as I see here, as James is bringing out, is that we need to be pollution-free. It says, be unspotted from the world, uncontaminated, without contamination. Now you think about this for a moment. Think about these two things he's bringing out here. He's saying that this is pure religion, is to minister to orphans and widows, and then he said to keep unspotted from the world, un, uh, uncontaminated from the world, pure uh, in that sense, away from those things. And it seems like these are two different things. It seems like, well, okay, where he's talking about, well, we need to feed the poor, and, and, but yet then he says keep unspotted from the world. These things are very much related. These things are very much go hand in hand, and I'll share that. But he says unspotted without contamination. Keep yourself unspotted from the world, remains true to the Lord, uncontaminated from the world, free from evil influence is what he says. So it's very, it seems like it's unrelated but to the first, but it really is, is related in one way. And that is pure religion is about mercy and truth. Love for others never compromises truth for God. And that's one of the things we have to understand. When you really love other people, you're not going to compromise the truth. Many people think that, oh, well, when once we get into and I start really loving other people and I start getting involved in other people, that somehow I've got to compromise the truth. How many know the truth gets stronger the more you love people? And that's the way it should be. You should remain. The more you love God, the more unpolluted from the world you should become. He's saying that the, the, you know, your pure religion is not just in what we do. That's, that's true. And, and, but it's who we are. And we have to remain uh, pure before God. Because he called us to be pure. How many know that a holy God calls us to be holy? You say, well, I, I, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's holy. Nobody said you had to be humanly perfect. Everybody agrees that we've got to be holy. Is that right? That's what the Bible teaches. Without holiness, no man can see the Lord. So there is a level that we've got to come into of this, this relationship with God that we have to understand that the truth of God is not just godliness but and not just loving in action but it is being pollution free you've got to remain unpolluted from the world you've got to stay without contamination that's what the Bible says 
And I, I believe there's so much contamination in the world that it's not just once a week you got to do it, once a year. It's every day. I mean, no, that's, just, that's just the principle of life. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, it, it's almost like because, and one of the understandings we have to have is because that we're citizens of another kingdom that is pure, and it's pure to the core, by the way. Amen? Jesus is pure to the core, by the way. Because we're a part of this, we have to, we, we, we reside in this polluted world. So there's the challenge. We sit and we live in this polluted world, and yet we are part of an unpolluted kingdom. So we've got to remain on the kingdom side, in godliness, in God's way, in God's view, in God's word. Is that right? Come on. Anything outside of that, we start getting involved in a polluted society and polluted world. And the Bible says over and over again. And in fact, in fact, Paul even says this is God's will for your life, to remain clean. This is God's will, to remain pure. Now, I know I'm not going to get a lot of fire emojis on this one and likes and all that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. We've got to stay uncontaminated. Does that mean we walk in a grocery store? I can't touch you. You're not a Christian. No, that's not what I'm saying. Again, there's a principle in the Bible that God calls us to be separated, not isolated. How can you be salt? How can you be light if you're trying to like hide from everybody, be quiet about your faith, not loving anybody through your actions? Come on. It's impossible. Is that right? It's impossible. So our challenge is, is that James ends up with this and says that you've got to be a doer of the word. That's how you stay unspotted and clean before God, is you've got to be a doer of his word. He gives us the key right here. It's not just going around saying, oh, I'm cleaner than you. I'm more holier than now. I'm going to stay clean. I can't touch anybody. No, he's saying be a doer of the word. That's how you remain clean before God. I know God loves faith. God responds to faith. I don't care if you can read one verse a day, a thousand verses a day. It doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about our faith towards God. And that's what keeps us clean before God. That's what keeps us in right standing with God. It's, Lord, my heart and my faith is towards you, Lord, and I'm, I want to obey your word. I mean, you can have all the good intentions in the world, but if you're not obedient to God's word, you really can't say you're following God. Amen. And there, there's something, there's a law that we have. Nobody floats towards holiness. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? It's only a dead fish that goes with the current. <laughs> so if you're not alive in God, if you're not putting these things into practice and being washed every day in the water of His Word and through prayer and all these things that God says that draws us close to Him and make us stronger in our faith, guess what you're going to do? There's a drifting that you just kind of get Towards the pollution, you kind of go in that direction. That's our human nature. We're sin-bent that way. We just, we love that. How many know we've got so many opportunities to be contaminated every day? I mean, if it's not social media and TV and this and that and everything, our own thoughts, other people, you know, come on, those guys you work with. We have so many opportunities to be polluted, and yet we have so many opportunities to stay clean before God. God is so faithful every day. That's why it's so important that I, I am just receive the washing from God through His Word. There's just something about the Word of God. I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to try to close. There's something about the Word of God, as the Bible says, it's the washing of the water of the Word. There's something about the Word of God that cleans me up. I, I can't do it for myself. I just know that when I read the Bible, and I'm, I'm especially in books like Proverbs and Psalms and the teachings of Jesus, all the letters in red, it's just like, man, I just want to be right before God. I just want to live good. I want to live right. I want to do what God wants me to do. I mean, that's, that's the power of the word. Well, my church says, no, my word says this. <laughs> that's the power 
of pure religion before God. It's like, man, I want to do your word. Your word is leading me to this place of being pure to the core. Your word. So the word of God. How many know when we get away from the word is when we get into contamination? It's when we get away from the word. It's when we get away from the principles of God's word. When you don't, when you don't love other people and you don't forgive and you don't, you, know, you don't walk humbly before God. When you, come on, all those things. You start getting in the pollution of selfishness and pride and lust. You start getting in, involved in all that. How many know this world is polluted without God? Is that, does anybody believe that? Or maybe you think this is a great, great nation. Listen, we've got, we've got some pollution. Amen. And it's dirty out there without God. It's, it, the world is just, I see that about the world sometimes. And that's why my heart goes out to people. Is, is that, man, if they could experience the pure love of God, the pure righteousness of God. I'm not talking about trying to be right. I'm, talk, I'm talking about, or, or, you know, trying to, I'm trying about, talking about living right. If they could understand what it means to live right. God, I just want to tell them about it. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so the Bible commands us that we, we can't do these things. And, and we can't, we have to stay. Why? Because I believe that there's two things. Number one, I believe that if pollution brings two things that negates everything James teaches us. Number one, pollution brings selfishness. So you don't want to love other people. So you don't want to work, reach out to orphans and widows. So you don't want to do that. Number two, it brings such a contamination in your mouth. And that's what he deals with. He said, look, you, 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 you're, you're talking one way, but you're, you're trying to walk another. It's not matching up. So how many know that's what pollution does? When we get involved in, in all the pollution that's in the world without God, the Bible says this is what begins to happen. Romans chapter 13, last scripture, last scripture, and then we'll have you stand. Romans chapter 13, verses 12. It says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and, and dissension and jealousy. And that means a whole lot. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Stay away from pollution. Get out of that thinking, that talking, that living. Get out of it. Stay close to Jesus where he's pure and he's holy. How many know, believe, believe I believe with all my heart, Jesus is holy. I mean, he lived a holy life, didn't he? Well, how many know it, you become the company you keep? And so if you're around him, that's going to rub off on you. Right. Amen? Can we stand on our feet? So let's also keep in mind that not only this wash, I like what Brother Andy Elms, a good friend of mine from England, put out in his Breakfast of Champions email the other day. He talked about this, and he said, if we, if we wash correctly each day, be people of the word and of prayer. We can keep the pollution from remaining a part of us. And then he said one of the aspects, the important aspects is to guard our hearts. Guard the important gateway into your, into your life, which is your heart, your eyes, your mind, all those things. You know, he said guard those things. Amen. We see and also understand that, that what happens is, is that when we don't, when we're conformed to the world, we're not transformed. When we, like Lot, his righteous soul was vexed by the things he saw and did and heard, all those things. When, when we get into a place of pollution, you cannot reach out to other people correctly. You can't minister to other people. First of all, you don't want to because you become selfish. You become, you know, you, you don't want to, and they, they're not your kind. They're not your, they, you don't like them. You don't, anything. How many know that's what happens when we get polluted in our hearts? Amen. And so the Bible teaches us, again, this, to be separate unto the Lord, not to be isolated from people, and, but, but to be separate 
unto the Lord, and we do that by being doers of His Word. He teaches us to be harmless and blameless, to be wise and innocent, to be separate and dedicated to Him. That's what it means, and He's talking about. I mean, just let me say this, is that when, when it's... it's it, I've noticed this. It's not when others see that your faith is important to you. That's not what it is. I believe that, you know, I've said that, oh, I want people to see my faith is important to me. Let me just say this. It's not when others see that your faith is important to you. It's when they see that your faith is real in you. There's a difference. When faith or or religion is important to you, you'll go to church. When it's real in you, you'll talk to them about Jesus. Is anybody listening? You'll do good things. You'll do good works. You'll, you'll love people. You'll give. You'll reach out. Come on. You, you know, that's what happens. There's a difference. When something is important to you, yeah, you'll do this, you'll do that. But when it's real in you, and that's what James is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's, it's got to be something in you because false religion always happens on the outside, but pure religion is something that's happening on the inside. Is this all right today? Amen. Can we pray today? Amen. Lord, we just thank you today so much. Because your word has a way of just opening stuff up to us. And, and, and not that, that I'm just, you know, something special, but your word is. And there's something the way, God, when I look at your word and I read this thing about being religious and religion, I have a, a real a false concept of that. But the Lord, the last couple of weeks, I've seen something new. That, Lord, you desire, there's something that you desire here. There's godliness. There's walking it out, living it out, living in, and loving in action, Lord, and, and unpolluted, Lord. Lord, this is what you desire. You're calling me to this pure relationship with you. And Lord, I hope and pray that, that somebody that heard this today would be encouraged in their faith, that, that they're going to really kind of be stronger in their faith before the Lord. They're going to pray and seek the Lord, not because they're, they feel like they're told to, but because we love you so much, God. And I want to know you more. And God, I, I just want to really get close to you. And so because of that, Lord, help me to love other people and see the needs around me. And Lord, and be a minister, what, you, what James said to be orphans and widows, those who have needs around me that need nourish, nurturing and those who need physical things, Lord, I want to be the one, not out of pride, but out of love for you and love for them. I want to be the one to meet that need. So help me. Help me see the needs around me, God, this week. Help me just focus on other people and other things on your word besides myself, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would come back together next week and say, truly, this has been a great week. God showed me some good things, and some good things happened for His glory. Lord, I just pray that you would help us walk in pure religion, as James teaches us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.